Welcome, everyone, to the Friday edition of Couch Potato Diary, coming to you from the Clearwater Cleaning Solutions broadcast studio, your one-stop commercial and residential cleaning company based out of Calgary with a fantastic team ready to make your life simpler and easier by fulfilling all of your cleaning needs. Check them out online, clearwatercleaningsolutions.com. So this one uh, coming out a little bit later on Friday than I wanted it to. Uh, you boys battling with a bit of a stuffed up face. So I uh, was hoping that this would clear out maybe a little bit more than it already has. Um, on the show today, we continue fantasy week by looking at kind of your best case scenarios going along in fantasy football drafts. couple quick fight notes uh, for a fighting and football Friday for you today. If you can hear humming in the background, we're in the middle of a heat wave in Calgary, and uh, that's a fan, and I hope it doesn't bother you too much. Um, I hope I don't bother you too much. Thank you for tuning in, and uh, yeah, let's get on to it. Fantasy football week continuing here. Um, we've covered fantasy football every day this week so far. That's going to continue a little bit into next week as we get ready for the start of the NFL season coming up on Thursday. Today, I kind of want to go through what I think kind of like a best case scenario is for uh, a fantasy football draft. Like, if I can get this guy in this round, this guy in this round, this guy in this round, just basing it off of ADP. I'm Like, obviously, best case scenario, man, if I could get Christian McCaffrey in the 16th round, that would be sweet. Basing this off of ADP, um, just like of the players available, who is the the player I most want in each round? Uh, that that's kind of what I am going for with this one here today. The first three rounds are tricky because it goes now off of like what what is the strategy that you want to employ? And so I kind of just want to run through the different possibilities that you can go through um, in your fantasy football draft. Round one, to me, the best case scenarios would be uh, if you want to go wide receiver, Justin Jefferson is right there. And if you want to go running back, Joe Mixon is right there. Second round, you have Nick Chubb and Debo Samuel. And then in the third round, it is Connor and it is A.J. Brown. To me, and again... The last week, you've heard me talk up what I think of uh, a Debo Samuel, and you've heard me talk up what I think of, of Nick Chubb in the second round. I think it all comes down to which one of those guys you like, but I think the real kind of swing for me in this spot is that third round. I, I think James Conner is fine. I think A.J. Brown is really, really good. Um, and so to me, when you're looking at how this is stacking up, like, if you want to go just like zero RB and just go Jefferson, Samuel, Brown. You will have the best receiving core that fantasy football has to offer, and that will be lovely and that will be wonderful. But as we go along this draft, you will see running back tends to, to kind of fall off a little bit and you're taking a couple of really big swings. In my opinion, the way to go about this, when you're looking at, okay, this guy's available in the first, this guy's available in the second, this guy's available in the third. If things work out perfectly, because obviously like, it's a draft and not everything falls exactly the way you, you want it to. Um, to me, I would want to go with the two running backs in the first round. I would want to go Mixon and I would want to go Chubb knowing that there is an AJ Brown there in the third round. If I am going Jefferson and Samuel, then I'm getting um, James Conner as my RB1 and that is concerning me a little bit. Even if you go Mixon, Samuel, Conner, I, I still... Connor as your RB2, considering what, what else is available there, I feel like if you can go Mixon and Chubb and then follow that up with an A.J. Brown in round three, you are sitting pretty. We know that I've talked before about the, the, the way I want things to go with my quarterback and tight end. Round four, Lamar Jackson. Round five, Darren Waller. So my perfect draft right now is going Mixon, Chubb, 
AJ Brown, Lamar Jackson, Darren Waller. I feel like we now have a strong foundation there. So now you're just building out your depth, right? Um, the first one I would go with after that in round six is Adam Thielen. I think it's really interesting that everyone is like, man, Minnesota offensive-minded coach. It's going to unlock Dalvin Cook. It's going to unlock Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins, who everyone thinks is a whole lot better than I think. And if you listen to this program for any length of time, you know that. But everyone's like, yeah, Kirk Cousins, going to find another level. But fuck Adam Thielen. Like, how? 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 How do we think this whole offense, except for one dude, is going to, to raise up? I think Adam Thielen, reliable target, very good in the red zone. I, I think he is going to have another very good season here for Minnesota. And then I'm looking at some running back depth pieces. Damian Pierce in the eighth round, probably not getting him at this point. But based on ADP, that's where he's going. And sometimes you will get benefits off of that just because people will sort uh, and rankings are set. Okay, well, Damian Pierce is here in it, like... He's not showing up earlier because that's just how they have their lineup uh, or, or their draft board set. So potentially you can get a bit of a boost with him in the eighth round. Uh, but I went Pollard in the seventh, Pierce in the eighth. If you can get those two guys kind of bang, bang. Now all of a sudden, again, you've built up that depth at wide receiver with a, a Thielen and an A.J. Brown. And now you're adding to your bench with Pollard and Pierce. Because I think you have a couple reliable targets at wide receiver, I think you can go a little bit... Um, off the board, I guess. Not off the board, because uh, again, this is all based on ADP. He's going in the ninth round. But take a bit of a gamble on a guy like Alan Lazard, who I think has, like, I know, well, he's the only guy there. Isn't the best, um, I guess, reasoning to, to draft a player, because we've seen that not work a thousand times. But he is the only one who has the comfort with Aaron Rodgers, and I actually think he's pretty good. So he is someone who I would, I think, best case scenario, you're taking in the ninth round. The tenth round is the last time where there was really like a decision to make. And it kind of goes down to if you went with your wide receivers early, then I think you want to go with James Robinson in this spot, who I think everyone just kind of mentally assumed he was going to be injured. And now it seems like he's actually going to be kind of healthy coming into the season. Um, and Chase Claypool, who is the receiver in this spot, who I, I talked about earlier this week as one of the best value plays you can get in fantasy football right now because I think he's incredibly talented. I think this passing offense is going to take a step forward this year, and I think he's going to be a beneficiary of that. So if you went running back heavy early on, you can go James Robinson here. If you went running back heavy early on, you can go Chase Claypool here. I think either way, you are getting it. And, and just like looking at how, again, Best case scenario draft is playing out. I, I'm I am loving this roster we are putting together. Eleventh um, round, Rashad White, the pass catching back in Tampa Bay. We talked about this the other day. Tom Brady has a pass catching running back now at his disposal. I think he will be using that quite a bit more now. So I'm looking forward to Rashad White. Uh, Rondell Moore at wide receiver. I made this list uh, before. I think there's. A couple of issues coming out of Arizona right now where he may not be ready for week one. Um, if he is, I still think he is a talented wide receiver and someone who I think can fit in that offense quite well. Um, 13th round, I have J.D. McKissick. If you want to separate yourself, this is the first time I was considering a defense. Because by the time you get to where actual defenses are getting taken, you're into the streaming realm. And I, I think... One of the things, and generally speaking, I do adhere to this, where my last two picks are defense and special teams, and then the kicker. Those are two things that I don't think need to factor into fantasy football, but while they do, I, I put them there. But when you're looking at the players that are available in the 13th, 14th round, like I feel like we have a good mix in our best-case scenario draft 
of the players who are kind of lottery tickets. We have a couple of safe options. I don't mind reaching for defenses a little bit early and then having your last two picks be a bit more home run swing type of guys because I think we are at a point in fantasy football now where there are a few kind of lottery ticket dudes. You don't have to reach a couple rounds early on them. You can wait for a couple of them to fall to you in the the 15th, 16th round. So I was considering uh, a defense in the 13th round. Instead, I did go J.D. McKissick. I went Romeo Dubs in the 14th round with Green Bay. A very cuttable receiver who people seem to like coming out of college and he's going to Aaron Rodgers. So if it works out, great. If it doesn't, whatever. And then kicker and defense, just whichever ones in the 15th, 16th round. The, the point of this exercise is to kind of show you like how the strength of a draft kind of builds as it goes along. And like, again, if you went running back a little bit early or went running back heavy a little bit early on, I don't know, like, the, the the common thing is, oh, well, there's more good wide receivers than there are good running backs, so you, you want to get the good running backs up there. And I just feel like there is a point where it all falls off, and you kind of pair them up. If you went wide receiver early, right? Like, if you go Jefferson in the first, Samuel in the second, if you come back with Connor in the third, I know I poo-pooed that, but I still think it's not a bad one. And then you're coming out of this with Connor... Pollard and Pierce as your like main running backs. And you have, you probably in this scenario would then go James Robinson in the 10th, Rashad White in the 11th, JD McKissick in the 13th. You have a couple of guys who are going behind them. So I don't think you have to just absolutely 100% lock in. I need to get these wide receivers. I need to, or I need to get these running backs here right away. I think you can play around with it. And that is also why I feel like. I am a little bit more comfortable going quarterback and tight end a bit earlier than some other people are because I feel like there is enough there that you can get some strong players early in the draft and then, again, kind of build up that depth as it goes along. So that is just a look at what what your best case scenario could be or at least what my best case scenario would be in a fantasy football draft. music that you hear on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. Find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent with X is where the A's would be and you can find their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. Just a couple quick notes here for a fighting Friday before we head off for the weekend. Um, UFC Fight Night coming up this weekend. It is Cyril Gaon taking on Tai Tuivasa. I love this matchmaking. This is just chef's kiss matchmaking because on the one hand, if um, Cyril Gaon comes away with a win. He is the star. He's in France. Um, it's probably going to be a very impressive win because this fight's going to be fun. Regardless of what happens, this fight's going to be a blast to watch. Um, if, if Cyril Gaon comes away with a win, then it's probably going to be an impactful one. It's going to make him feel like a star because it's happening in France. And that kind of rises him up. You don't know what's happening with Francis Ngannou. It's looking like a very real chance that Francis Ngannou has made his last walk to the UFC's octagon. If that is the case, Cyril Gaon against John Jones or Stipe Miocic in a championship match, I think would be a lot of fun. On the other hand, if Tai Tuivasa continues this improbable run to relevancy in the heavyweight division and knocks out Cyril Gaon, 
once again, a star is born, ladies and gentlemen. This miraculous run continues, and you can again tie Tuivasa against John Jones, tie Tuivasa against Stipe Miocic in one of the most likable matchups in the history of the sport, and you can put it at a soccer stadium in Australia, and there'd be shoeys being drunk all over the place. It would be amazing. This is a win-win situation for the Ultimate Fighting Championship. In terms of how I see this fight going, I think it's a bit too oversimplistic to just say, oh, it's a striker against a brawler, but... Taichui Vasa is going to want this fight to look ugly. He's going to want this fight to be described by Jim Ross with bowling shoe references. He is going to want this one to look like just an all-out brawl if he wants to win this. The technique advantage is clearly on the side of um, of a Cyril gone. Taichui Vasa needs to... I think, kind of grind up on him a little bit, land some of those big in-tight shots that we've seen. I forget who it was who just busted open with an elbow uh, in-tight. A lot of those, and just make life uncomfortable for God, because if he's able to keep it, keep it at boxing range, he's going to pick Tai Tuivasa off for as long as he wants. And Tuivasa has walked through some mammoth shots. You cannot do that against this dude. He will pick you apart in ways you have never seen before. Endlessly fascinated by this fight. Co-main event is Robert Whitaker against Marvin Vittori. Neither of these guys are in a great spot right now. Like, this is a fight to see who can get closer to um, people saying, well, could you see another fight with this guy and Israel Adesanya? Because no one is believing that Marvin Vittori is going to beat Adesanya in a, a championship fight. And no one is clamoring to see Robert Whitaker there again. And I, I think Vittori has a frame that he could move up if, if he so choose. Whitaker's already up. He, he was fighting at 170 before. He won the Ultimate Fighter at 170. This, this is his up. He's not going up to 205 pounds. He's in such a difficult spot right now. So this is kind of the, the, the fights to be making at this point. Just the, yeah, fun fight. Take a paycheck. Keep going. Keep competing. Because uh, uh, until Israel Adesanya either loses or retires, neither of these guys are in a position for, for a title shot. I, I think Robert, Kerr, uh, Robert Whitaker wins this bout here. So, just a quick one for Fighting and Football Friday. Hopefully my stuffed-upness wasn't too overwhelming for you. Thank you to Clearwater Cleaning Solutions, your one-stop commercial residential cleaning company based out of Calgary with a fantastic team. We're ready to make your life simpler and easier by fulfilling all of your cleaning needs. Check them out online, clearwatercleaningsolutions.com. I'm hoping to have a couple of pro wrestling type of shows coming out this weekend. Uh, pro, Yeah, a big weekend for professional wrestling with uh, the WWE show in England coming up on Saturday and AEW coming up on Sunday. Should be a fun weekend. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and I'll talk to y'all later. I'm out.